Three, two, one. Hello all, it is uh, Monday, 5.22pm, 23rd of April 2018. Hopping on for another episode, going to be talking a bit different today, going to be talking obviously just a rugby roundup, but we'll get through that quickly because there's not too much to talk about. Um, But then we've also got, I'm going to go through some powerlifting tips that have helped me, not just powerlifting, but some technique cues that I think could help everyone. Um, that I've accumulated over the years. So it's by no means original ideas or original information, um, but I've sort of just accumulated from different resources that I think I can sort of just summarize so you guys don't have to do the research either. Uh, So hopefully nobody steals it and uses it word for word uh, uh, as their own. Uh, But irrespective of that, I'm just trying to be helpful. So (sighs) that fucking deep exhale been a long day today monday is the big uni day was out of the day out of the house sorry from like nine till about four uh and now i'm just hopping on now and had to recuperate just had to have a monster need to get some energy into me because i don't drink enough water while at uni because really if i'm on a regular drinking like regular water schedule i'm probably drinking about 10 to 12 liters a day if the, um, probably more than that, to be honest. Um, but at uni, look, if I'm drinking what, seven or eight liters at uni, then I'd be going to the toilet every 25, 30 minutes. And, you know, when you have two hour classes and you go to the toilet more than once, people start to ask questions about what the hell you're doing. So, uh, that's not really an option. So I just decide to not, (laughs) I just decide to not do it, give myself a bit of time and then just rehydrate at home. Um, but you know, normally Monday, give myself a subway, uh, you know, just something to look forward to, to get me through the first class and then into the second class. So I drove to Lizaro shopping village, get out of the car, get a park all as well. I look into subway and the line is about 10, 10 people deep. Like it's almost back to the door. It's all the tradie guys probably buying for their mates as well. So I said, fuck that shit. I don't have the time to wait. Walked over to Cole's. Bought myself a Diet Coke, an apple, a pre, a kind of a pre-cooked refrigerated chicken breast um, package, I guess you could call it. It was peri-peri, peri-peri flavored. Let me say it was delicious. Um, and I bought some, I bought a baguette as well. So I ate all that, came to 10.33, which is cheaper than the Subway would be, so Realistically, I only got the apple because I needed some form of fruit or vegetable to get me through because normally I just stack the Subway salads on, but obviously that wasn't an option. So I guess we'll get to the ru- get to the rugby. I'm not going to spend too much time on it because, look, I don't want to be in a negative mindset, mind state, negative mindset is the right word, um, or state of mind about it all, but... Uh, it was probably the wor- one of the worst weekends ever for Australian Super Rugby teams. Every single one of the teams lost, and quite convinc—oh, not quite convincingly, but quite badly, I guess. So we started off with the Blues lost to the Highlanders, thirty-four sixteen. Nothing surprising there. The Highlanders looked to have a really good game. I think uh, Tyson Frizzell. No, not Tyson Frizzell. It's it's his brother, but Tyson Frizzell plays for. Uh, the St. George Illawarra Dragons in the Rugby League, NRL. Uh, and his brother plays rugby for the Highlanders and he scored a hat-trick. So fair play to him. He normally comes off the bench, I think. So 
that should secure him a start for the next couple of games. But the Blues are looking worrying. They need to improve. I can see their coach is probably getting, probably feeling the pressure, but it sucks, man. I think they've had about 20 injuries. So that it's just absolutely ridiculous. You can't play like that. Then we had probably one of the worst nights in Waratah's history, losing 29-0 to the Lions. Uh, I think it's the first time ever the Waratahs have never scored a point in a Super Rugby game. I just really don't have much to say about that. 29-0, what can, what can you say about it? The Lions were convincingly better. Obviously, they won 29-0. Uh, Waratahs have the bye. So they need obviously need to reassess some things and um, get back to it next week. Then we have the Crusaders, 33 over the Sunwolves, 11. Really not a huge scoreline. You'd expect it to be a bigger scoreline. I think the Crusaders are an excellent team and they started a few of their bench players, which was nice to see everyone getting an opportunity to start. But it's always good to see the Sunwolves, man. I'm like, I'm happy that they get a, a, an opportunity to run about, but I just wish they had a few more marquee players. Pardon me, got a sore throat. I wish they had a few more marquee players so they could actually get through it and compete with the rest of the teams. Pardon me, just had to have a drink. Uh, then we had the Chiefs, 36, beat the Reds, 12. I'm not surprised. At no point do the Reds look like winning this game or even getting close to winning it. Uh, look, what do you say? I think the Reds need to, the way I see it, the Reds need to stick with some combinations and stop changing things every week. They've had about four scrum halves, the same 10, but four scrum halves, they're changing their centers, their wingers every single week. Like the way everyone's been talking about James Tuttle, he's meant to be the future of Australian rugby as the number nine. He's meant to be the next number nine after Will Genia. And he's not even starting for the Reds. He's not even on the bench for the Reds. So you start to ask questions. You're like, well, he started the season really well. He got dropped to the bench, which no one saw coming. And now he's out of the match day squad. Why? I think, like, no disrespect on Ben Lucas. I think he's an excellent player. I'm probably one of the best utility players in the competition. But if... I think James Tuttle is an excellent player, and he's only about 21, 22, but he plays like someone who's, you know, 28, 29. And that's a pretty big compliment coming from me because I don't say that about many people. But I think it's one of those things. It's just confusing. I don't know why it's changing so much. And look, the nine, the number nine is the link between the forwards and the backs as well. So, you know, I'm not saying that Quade Cooper is the answer at some point, but Jesus, man, it's, um, I'd say, I'm not saying that he's happy to watch them losing, but I'm saying he's sitting back and saying, you know, I told you so. I'm not surprised because I'm, I'm like, I'm definitely not the hugest Quade Cooper fan, but I think, fuck me, if you're losing four games in a row, just at least bring him back to training. Let him mentor some of the younger guys. The other biggest problem I have with the Reds is I'm a young rugby player. I'm 19 myself. These And there's guys my age playing super rugby and multiple guys as well. And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking to myself, there is not a chance that there's not someone who's 25, 26 with a more mature head and more experience who could do a better job. And in my eyes, you earn the right to play Super Rugby. 
You know, you shouldn't be playing Super Rugby one year out of school, two years out of school. In my opinion, if you're picking guys who are 18, 19, 20, it completely undermines the Australian rugby system. Because realistically, what it does is you play school rugby, then you play Colts, then you play grade, then you play NRC, then you play Super Rugby. That's how it goes. But, you know, people are getting signed off, never playing, getting signed straight out of school, never playing a Colts game. People getting picked in the Australian under-20s without never without ever playing, you know, New South Wales 20s, which is confusing. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it just sort of confuses me because the biggest problem with rugby, in my opinion, is there's no clear pathway. And I think that's the most confusing and frustrating thing as a player because it's like, look, just fucking tell me what to do and I'll go and do it. But, you know, I don't want that. I don't want to have to depend on the right person sitting in the grandstand and for me to have the right look and hit all my fucking one percenters and shit. Like, that's the other thing is rugby's just very overcomplicated now. Like, lineouts are overcomplicated, scrums are overcomplicated, and it's like, look, for fuck's sake, just go out and play. You know, the Barbarians might not be the best team in the world, but when they come together, they play well because they just go out and play what's in front of them. Uh, but I'd like to see some changes at the Reds, probably bring Quade Cooper back, at least give him a fucking chance and see what he's doing. You know, it's a, it, because it literally is a waste of money to have him in club rugby. It's 800 grand you could be spending on on like five other players, but he's just playing club rugby. So either bring him back into the squad or just release him altogether. That's my opinion. And I'd, I'd say bring him back into the squad. Uh, then we had the Bulls defeated the Rebels 28-10. Once again, at no point do the Rebels look like winning this. It's good to see the Bulls get a win, another win. They're actually doing really well at home at the minute, which is good to see. Then we had the Sharks defeated the Stormers 24-17. Not too many surprises here. I can't remember who I picked, but, you know, just South African derby, always close. Only seven points in it. Then we had the Brumbies lost to the Jaguars, 20 points to 25. Uh, really, just, just really worrying from the Brumbies. I don't know what's going on there. I truly have no idea why they're losing so many games why they've started so poorly. The Jaguars have turned their season around, which is good to see. Um, geez, they, they're two from two on their tour. They'd be fucking loving life. How good's that? Two from two against two super against two Australian super rugby teams. Uh, but it's it's one of those things where I thought the whole point of cutting the force was to re-strengthen the other four teams. And at no point this season have any of the teams, except for the Rebels in like the first two games, at no point have any of the teams looked like they could win the competition, which is the especially worrying bit. Um, and I think, look, I'm not an expert on it and I'm not claiming to be either. This is just my opinion. It's my podcast. So I'm just putting my opinions out there and I'll see if anyone agrees with me, but I don't really know what needs to happen. I think it's one of those things where, there's so many players who slip through the cracks. And look, when you think about it, it's it's a pretty terrible system. Like unless you either live in for as a New South Wales player myself, I'm sorry, as someone who lives in New South Wales and would be a player in New South Wales, it's a pretty terrible system that basically the only way you're gonna 
I guess, progress a rugby career is by playing in Sydney. And I live pretty much as close to Sydney as you possibly could. And I'm still 90 minutes out from the nearest club, especially where I live. So you sort of look at it and you think to yourself, well, gee, this is what I did last year. Well, you look at it and you say, Jesus, well, that's 90 minutes each way. So that's, you know, that's three hours travel time right there. Then you've got two hours training. That's twice a week. And then on Saturday, that's a full day. That's leave at, you know, 7.30, 8 o'clock, get home at 4.35. It's a huge commitment. And it it truly is. And when you think about it, considering that we don't earn a cent out of this, you know, my mates who have been playing league reps, just Central Coast reps for league, they've been paying, sorry, they've been been paid since they were 16 years old. May have only been 50 to 100 bucks a game. But fuck, when you're 16 years old, 50 50 to 100 bucks a week, man, that's like McGregor money. You know what I mean? Like you you think you're absolutely balling. Um, And it's, I gotta say, if you were to add up all the money I've, all the money my, me and my fam, sorry, my family and myself spent last year between, you know, train tickets or Opal card, obviously, um, petrol, you know, fees for gear. I mean, sorry, fees for, fees for kit. I don't want gear being taken out of context because gear means steroids and I don't fucking do steroids, but I know that someone will take that audio Someone will take that audio and think, oh, you know, Fionn's paying for gear, paying for steroids. No, motherfucker, I'm not. Um, but it's just one of those things where it it really does add up and that money adds up. And it's, um, I don't know, it's, it just is frustrating when you don't really get much of a return on it, especially like unless you're playing first grade, you're not playing in front of anyone. Like, if you're playing third Colts, second Colts, first Colts, it doesn't matter what fucking grade you're playing, you're playing in front of maybe half of the parents from each team. You know, so you're maybe playing in front of, like, 20 parents, and if any if any of the boys from the games before you or after you stick around, like, it's one of those things where it, I'm used to, you know, when I was first 15 captain, I look back on it. Um, and you know, you have all your mates, you'd have the year below, years below in the grandstand. Everyone's getting hyped about it. You think to yourself, all right, this is what the week's been building to. I've been chatting, chatting shit with the boys, getting ready for this, pardon me, getting ready for this game all week, looking forward to a big performance. And then people would congratulate you on it. And I don't know. It's just one of those things where, uh, I think, you know, it, it just is a big investment. Another thing I hate is fucking night training. You know, there's a reason why I lift weights at 9am and that is because I despise training at night. Like if I have to do anything after four o'clock, I'm pissed off. And considering that rugby training is like six o'clock, 6.30, oh my God, man. Like I remember there were nights when dad and I would get in the car drive to drive back to the coast last season and it'd be like 8.45 and we're thinking to ourselves, fuck me, you know, we've got still got to stop for food on the way home you know, we're looking at a legitimate 90 minutes home. And then you're still buzzing by the time you're home because I'm an idiot and I drank a monster at, you know, 9.30 at night. So I'm still buzzing. Maybe you'll get, you know, then you've got to eat, you've got to shower, you've got to do everything. Maybe you're going to get to sleep by 12 o'clock. Maybe that's a big if. And then you've got to wake up the next morning and do whatever you've got to do. Uh, but irrespective, we'll move on from the rugby. Uh, overall, a pretty disappointing Super Rugby weekend. 
but you know we'll move on to it so i think um i'll start off with one bit before i get into the powerlifting bit and it's just a really quick synopsis of why so many young guys find it find it hard building muscle and and this is the most generic topic ever, isn't it? Building muscle, getting bigger, whatever. Getting bigger, getting stronger, more athletic, whatever you want to say. Um, this is a problem that a lot of people face, a lot of young guys face. And the biggest thing I'm going to talk about right now is consistency. And I'm not saying consistency like work hard, you know, follow your dreams and that generic fucking shit that everyone talks about. I'm talking about you know, going for a little bit and then taking times off. So in terms of consistency, I'm talking about consistently eating more than you need, consistently training to some capacity and consistently getting good hours of sleep. So the first thing without any issue, training is the least important in all this, right? So considering you're probably uh, most young guys, like I was, um, new to the gym, they don't have to do much to make progress. I didn't do much when I was younger. I probably did, you know, 10, 15 sets all up. That was it. Uh, Each session, maybe three or four times a week. And I grew quite well. The reason behind that is consistent sleep patterns. So I'm always getting eight hours of sleep a night or seven, seven to eight hours is what I aim for. And I'm constantly making sure that I'm eating in a caloric surplus. In other words, I'm eating more than I need to maintain my current body weight. And this is, this food is the hugest thing of all. You know, you know, Rich Piani used to say, if you want to, you've got to eat big if you want to get big. And that is so true because I'm seeing all this, all this shit, like, you know, all right, I'm in a, a lean bulking phase and I'm like, well, that, you're just in a fucking bulking phase, mate. Like no one ever said that bulking meant I'm going to put on 15 kilos of body fat and two kilos of muscle. That's not what anyone said at the beginning. You know, so you're bulking, you're not lean bulking, you're just bulking up or you're gaining, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Then we have this issue where mini cut, you know, I don't really understand the concept behind a mini cut. Like why would you bulk for four weeks, then shit yourself because you put on fucking half a kilo of body fat and then go into a deficit and try and lose, lose that fat for another three to four weeks. Doesn't make sense to me at all. You know, Stay consistent, commit to a commit to putting on some size, and then shit, your body can recomp later. So you're in deficits some deficits some days, you're in surpluses other days. Realistically, you're gonna you're gonna the body's just just gonna work it out, you know. But it, this is something it just pisses me off, man, because it's like, and it's normally like I hate to say it like this, but it's normally like the stereotypically lean, skinnier guys who. The second they lose their abs, man, they shit themselves. They don't know what to do because they don't have that basis of muscle and they've sort of in that in-between mark. What you've got to realize is that it is virtually, it's not impossible. However, it is unlikely that you are going to be able to put on superior amounts of muscle mass if you, unless you commit to putting on a bit of body fat. You know, especially, mate, if you're 19, 20, 21, even up to 25, for fuck's sake, man, just commit to it. I don't understand why people are like cutting at this age. This is literally in terms of hormones and testosterone 
which is going to aid with recovery massively, your body doesn't get in a more optimal state than being 19, 20, up to 25 years old. So I think the most important bit is, you know, eat consistently in a surplus, just commit to it. And if you think you're getting a little bit chubby or putting on a little bit body, little bit of body fat, just eat slightly less than what you were. But, you know, don't fucking, don't bulk for four weeks, shit yourself because your top two abs have disappeared and then hop in, hop into a deficit for four weeks. And then you're back, you're in this constant bulking and cutting cycle. And realistically, you just, it's the same five kilos you're bulking up and cutting with. You know, just commit to it, go with it. Don't shit yourself about it. And I promise you, you will see the results. That's the reason why I can walk around at a pretty decent body fat percentage at around 108 kilos is because I've committed to a surplus. And also I was consistently in a surplus. I didn't say, all right, let's cut down for summer. You know, I was consistently bulking up. I was consistently lifting heavy and lifting heavier than I was before. You know, you've just got to be consistent with it. Consistently doing the things that you need to do to get bigger. So now we'll move on. We'll move on to uh, my top powerlifting tips in terms of how to get stronger. So I'm not going to go for too long, possibly about 10 minutes, but Obviously, with powerlifting, I'm not a powerlifter. I do powerlifting training to help with my athletic performance. But these are some of the tips that I've sort of accumulated over the years uh, in regards to the squat, the bench press, and the deadlift. And I think these could be helpful for you. So I think we'll... I don't have anything written down. I'm just going off the top of my head. I think we'll start with the squat. Now, my few squat tips is you've got to find, first First of all, is the mobility. Now, the squat, you might look at it and you think to yourself, geez, that's pretty easy mobility. Realistically, it's not. You know, you've got to have good hip mobility. You've got to have good ankle mobility. And what that's going to mean is it's going to require some stretching and it's definitely going to require a warm-up. You know, a warm-up is non-negotiable. I don't care if you're 19 years old or 59 years old, you have to warm up. Yeah, I'm 19 and I warm up for about 20 minutes. So it's it's compulsory to warm up. Anyone who ever tells you, you know, no, nah, you don't need to warm up for squats, mate. You know, just walk into the gym and walk straight to the squat rack and just start repping the bar. Do not listen to them. They're either a genetic freak or, you know, they're an injury waiting to happen. So the first thing is you've got to warm up and do your mobility drills, focusing on the hips and the ankles. Um, the other thing you got, obviously activate possibly the hamstrings. I activate my glutes, uh, to, to make sure I'm stronger. I can recruit more muscle. Then you've got the, um, shoulder mobility as well to actually have that barbell on your back. So you, obviously if you're doing high bar squats, which is where the bar, bar lies on your traps, you're not going to need the most amount of shoulder mobility. However, if you're a low bar squatter like myself, it's a little bit lower. It's a little bit more uncomfortable. Um, it's This is probably not a tip I would tell everyone to do. A lot of people say, you know, elbows under the bar. Whenever I did elbows under the bar, I used to get a massive amount of elbow and wrist pain. Uh, so I flare my elbows back and it, I haven't, I don't even wear wrist wraps anymore for my squats. So that's hugely improved it. I also chalk the bar 
Um, I'll get into equipment in a couple of moments, but I also chalk the bar so it doesn't roll in my hands and put my wrist in a bent back position. So now that we've got our, our mobility sorted, what we're going to want to do is we're going to want to choose a stance that suits our body type and suits our mobility as well. Now, if you have freakish ankle mobility and good anthropometry, which means uh, basically your body is set up in a very squat advantageous way, which is mean which means you're probably going to have a very long torso and very short legs, uh, a lot like Chinese weightlifters. This is going to suit you, all right. So you're probably going to be have a much more narrow stance. You might do you probably do a high bar squat, um, but if you're like me. You know, this is what this is where you've got to look at it. Very, I've got a very short torso and long femurs, which is basically my thigh bones are very long. Um, I do a low bar squat in a more bent over position, uh, and it really look. People can talk about stress on the back. If you tighten up enough, and you know, you stay tight the whole way through, and don't good morning the weight up, and press through the legs, you'll be just fine. So you've got to look at that now. The next thing is, I guess, stance, um, the width of how, how wide you should stand. Like I said before, if you've got that perfect anthropometry, you've got those short legs, you can probably squat pretty narrow, have your feet shoulder width or even inside shoulder width. Um, however, if you're like me, uh, I'm a big guy myself, like just genetically, I'm a pretty big guy. I've got quite wide set hips. I squat with quite a wide stance, um, kind of like a geared power lifter. Um, so in terms of geared as in wearing, um, it, it's a difficult thing to explain, but in powerlifting, there's geared and raw powerlifting. So in geared powerlifting, you can wear squat suits, which are basically compression, compression gear that allow you to squat a lot more weight. Um, they typically have a very, very wide stance. Uh, but I squat a little bit wider, not too wide, but probably my shoulder width, which is quite wide. Um, so you've just got to work out what's comfortable. The next thing is going to be um, preventing back problems. Now, the back problems that arise from a squat are often because of poor mobility in the ham, poor flexibility in the hamstrings, and poor mobility in the ankles. Um, and it's they call it a butt wink, which is when you sit down uh, into a squat and your ass tucks under. You know, so you lose that spine neutrality and that tightness in the spine. Now, what happens is effectively your spine moves into a flexed position um, where it's curved, and this is definitely not what you want, um, especially when you've got a heavy barbell on your back. So how we're going to do that, how we're going to prevent that is bracing. Now, in terms of bracing, you can Google the Valsalva maneuver. It's basically a huge breath into the bottom of your stomach, and you press your tongue against the top of your mouth. Now, this is how I breathe, and I've had zero injuries. And this is how a lot of other powerlifters, well, I'm not actually a powerlifter, but this is how a lot of powerlifters and heavy squatters breathe, and this is what works for them as well. So that's how you brace. Another way to bra another way I brace is I pull the bar as tight as I possibly can onto my back. Now, this is also, I guess, why squatting can also be considered a back exercise is because... Your back, all the muscles in your back are in an isometric contraction uh, throughout the whole range of motion, which is effectively, you know, building time under tension in the muscles. So just very quickly, uh, three, there's three parts to every single exercise. There's the eccentric portion, 
which is the part before the muscle contraction. There's the isometric contraction, which is the contraction of the muscle itself. And then there's, um, no, hold on, pardon me. Fuck, I fucked up. There's the concentric, which is the shortening of the muscle towards the contraction. There's the isometric contraction, which is the actual squeezing of the muscle. And then there's the eccentric on the way down. So if you take, for example, a bicep curl, a bicep curl is when, you know, the concentric would be if you were to just have your arms straight, bring it up into a flexed position where like you were flexing your bicep. When it's flexed, that's the isometric contraction. And when you lengthen it back out, that's the eccentric. All right, so just the isometric contraction through the back, more time under tension can, you know, it's more metabolic stress, which can is a driver for hypertrophy. In other words, you can get bigger. So also, I guess equipment-wise, it's really um, up to you what equipment you use. You can use a belt. I don't use a belt because it's just uncomfortable for me. Um, I have started using Olympic weightlifting shoes, the Nike Romaleos or Romaleos, however you want to say them. Uh, elevated heel allows me to have much greater ankle mobility. If you are serious about squatting, you like squatting, you can see yourself squatting into the future. 100% look into buying some Olympic weightlifting shoes or powerlifting shoes. They're the same thing, really. Um, I, I really would recommend it. Um, it just It's so much easier than squatting barefoot like I normally did. That's another tip. Either wear flat shoes such as Vans or Converse All-Stars um, or go bare feet or wear Romaleos or Addy Powers, you know. <laughs> so basically uh, go Olympic, Olympic weightlifting shoes or flat shoes. Uh, and we, we could get into that at a later date, but we've been going very long on the squat right now. So all in all, find a stance that works for you. Nice big breath into the stomach. Tighten the bar over your back, squat down and then press, you know, make sure you keep those knees out by screwing those feet into the ground and, you know, and push really, push as hard as you possibly can away from the ground, you know, using the, and squeeze and then bring your glutes through at the end. Um, and in terms of the breathing, I like to breathe every single rep. You know, I like to release that breath and take a new breath in every rep. People who talk about time under tension, well, whatever. But if we're trying to be stronger on every single rep, what we're going to want to do is take a new breath every time. All right, so now that I've got a lot of things like breathing and that out of the way, we can move on to the deadlift. Now, the deadlift is obviously a hip extension movement. Uh, it is builds the back, builds the glutes, builds the hamstrings. It is probably the best exercise there is. Now, in terms of just a straight bar deadlift, we have the conventional style or the sumo style. Conventional is hip, um, sorry, feet under your hips or a shoulder, probably under your hips is the best way of putting it. Um, sumo style is feet wider um, and toes pointed out to a 45 degree angle. I'm just going to talk about the conventional deadlift right now. So what you're going to want to do is you want to going to want to set, you know, you're going to want to set yourself under the, you know, on top of the bar effectively. Feet should be cutting the bar, you know, halfway through. So, you know, your feet under the bar. I want to, I like to take my, if you just jump up in the air and land as you would in a vertical, as if you'd just done a vertical jump, then that's how I start off. Then you're going to want to obviously have the bar over you, um, probably over your midfoot, over your shoelaces, halfway up your shoelaces if you're wearing shoes. If you're not, just halfway through your foot. 
Then your hands are going to go on the outside of your knees. Obviously, if you're doing sumo, they're going to go on the inside. But if you're on the outside of your knees, now what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to push your hips back to start with, reach down and grab the bar. Now, this is going to require some hamstring flexibility. Also depends on femur length, like I was saying before, anthropometry. So basically what I like to do in terms of once you've found your position, I like to aim for my um, my body or my trunk, as you could possibly call it, to be parallel with the floor. And I like to load my hamstrings and glutes because they're a very powerful muscle group. From here, I'm effectively, I like to try and pull myself into the ground. That's a weird cue, but um, it's kind of like a kind of like a leg press when you look at it. Uh, it's kind of like a leg press from the side. So if you can just pull yourself into the ground, and then when you get to about halfway, when the bar's about your knees, shoot your hips through and squeeze the glutes through to the end, and you know, and win there. Uh, in terms of equipment for this one, exactly the same as squats. Uh, except for don't wear Olympic weightlifting shoes for this movement. Uh, you're going to want to have a flat foot, so you can wear Vans, Converse's, or go barefoot. Uh, don't wear normal trainers. They're going to throw you off a bit. Um, but overall, the breathing is going to be exactly the same as the squat. Um, and what I like to really do is they say pull the slack out of the bar. So when you're about to pull, you, you know you take your breath, and what you're going to what you're going to want to do is squeeze your lats together. So that's going to automatically pull the slack out of the bar and already build that tension in, and you're going to be much stronger from that position. So, you know, there's plenty of people you can watch videos doing this, but these are just some mental cues that you can possibly listen to when you're lifting. Um, so overall, hips, um, sorry, feet under the hips. You're going to want to um, hip hinge backwards so to load the glutes and hamstrings. Bend down, grab the bar outside with the hands outside of the knees. Then when you're ready, when you're ready to pull, you know, make sure you keep that back nice and flat. And the way we do that is by taking a big breath and then pull the slack out of the bar just by, by pulling our shoulder blades back and together and squeezing our lats. That's, that's going to keep it, you know, keep it very tight. Also, make sure you don't bend your arms at all. But, you know, a, a good cue for doing this is you can flex your triceps at the bottom. That's going to keep your arms as straight as possible. Um, and then you're going to press the floor away. And when you get to about the knees, uh, because you've stayed tight, your hips aren't going to shoot up if you're staying tight enough. Um, when you get to the knees, bring those hips through and that is the end of the movement. And don't feel the need to... Um, lower the weight slowly. Remember deadlifts, there's no eccentric in a deadlift. It's a concentric movement. So I'm not saying drop the weight, but you know, you don't need to, you know, you don't need to lower it slowly and very controlled. And then the last exercise is the bench press. Uh, probably the most simple of all these lifts. Basically what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to lie on the bench. I like to um, the grip is very dependent on how long your arms are, you know, where your strong muscle groups are. If you've got a very strong chest um, and you like putting a bit more pressure on your shoulders, then you can take a wider grip. Uh, you can take, but from what I've found, I can get more leg drive into my bench press when I use a narrower grip. From here, I'm, we're going to use the barbell to let us get into a good position. So I like to effectively pull myself with the barbell I'm going to squeeze my scapula, which are my shoulder blades, together and down. 
Now, this is going to make sure that we're not putting too much pressure on our traps and our shoulders. And I like to pull myself down. It's also going to create a nice little arch for us to press from. Now, our feet are going to be under our knees. That's how I like to do it. And we're going to have a slight arch in the lower back to slightly decrease the range of motion, but to also make sure the scapula are retracted and we're ready to press. From here, when we bring it down, we're going to want to bring down with our elbows at about a 45 degree angle to the top of the sternum. So you don't want to bring, you know, if you can, you know, think about it, you don't want to have your elbows flared when you're pressing and you don't want them too tucked either. So about a 45 degree angle is what I find to be best. Um, and then you don't want to bring it too high on the chest either. You know, to the bottom, to the top of the sternum, if you can just sort of feel under your chest, you've got that um, sort of just above your top rib, you've got that hard bone, um, that's your sternum. So you're going to want to bring it to there and then press up. And when I press up, I'm pushing really hard. I'm effectively pushing myself back into the bench. That's the cue I like to give. And I'm really pressing hard through my feet, keeping my glutes on, on the bench though, but I'm really pressing hard away with my feet to get some good leg drive and some good tension in the lift. Now, in terms of breathing, exactly the same as the others. Valsalva maneuver, take that big breath into your stomach. You're going to be able to drive most pressure there. Um, and also just the last bit is do not suicide grip bench press. Make sure you have your thumb wrapped around the bar. Don't have it wrapped over the bar so that it could fall out. Um, you've he I've heard horror stories about people dropping the bar on their face and you know knocking all of their teeth out. Please wrap your hand around the bar. I don't give a fuck if you know you know you feel a better chest contraction with with it wrapped over. Just please don't do it. It's it's very very dangerous. It truly is, and if um and it just is. So uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. It's been a bit of a long one, forty minutes or so. Uh, but I'll be back on Thursday with some rugby predictions and possibly some more tips. Uh, and I hope you enjoyed it. And I'll catch you in the next one.